You are getting a bonus episode with Dara Brustein on Women Taking the Lead. Introverts come to me and or shy folks and they say, I hate networking. I hate relationship building. How do I better do it? I say, you just need to really leverage those skills that you have like listening because introverts and shy people, which are two different things, but might be one and the same, are exceptional listeners because they're not as interested in spotlight being on them in a lot of cases. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. We're going to be talking today about making connections and building relationships. But before people see your products or talk to you directly, they often see your website. This first impression is critical to establishing you as an expert in your industry and building trust with potential customers. If you need help with your website or other digital marketing, our Women Taking the Lead sponsor, ZebraLab Web Solutions, is your one-stop solution for website design and development, search engine optimization, and digital marketing strategies. Make the most of your chance to impress and contact ZebraLab Web Solutions today for customized marketing solutions. And you can find their website at zebralovewebsolutions.com. Hello, everyone, and thank you for being here. I am here with Dara Brustein, who is equal parts teacher, connector, and founder, and she stands for Entrepreneurial Empowerment. In the fall of 2018, Dara launched Life by Design, Not by Default, sharing stories with visionaries like Deepak Chopra, Adam Grant, and Jen Sincero in a 45-speaker online summit reaching over 7,000 people. For the past 10 years, she founded and scaled two businesses in tandem, a networking events company serving over 30,000 people and a payment processing company spanning 38 states. A prolific writer and interviewer, Dara's thought leadership articles on lifestyle design have been read by over 1 million people across Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Thrive Global. Her motivating motto, build a life of your own design, a career to fund it, and a network to support it has inspired thousands to reach higher and dream bigger. Amen. (laughs) She was even named number one to follow by Boss Babes. And most recently, Dara launched the video series Diving Deep with Deepak and Dara to make deep topics relatable and transferable into your life. And oh goodness, do we need more of that. Dara, it was such an honor to have you on Women Taking the Lead. And now I'm going to give the mic to you for a little bit so you can say more about who you are in the world and anything you think you know the, that woman listening needs to hear. Well, thanks, Jody. I so appreciate it. And I don't know if your listeners know, but our connection point is really interesting that I featured Jody and this here podcast <laughs> in Forbes as one of the top 18 women-led podcasts to follow. And you know, I think that dovetails perfectly with who I am in this world that you mentioned it too. I'm a connector. I think it's the reason I'm on this planet. It's to connect people to people and people to ideas and resources to better the outcomes for all involved. 
And this is an example of that, that I found you, I found your tremendous work, I put it out there, and then we struck up a relationship, and here we are together today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was amazing. And just um, for those of you listening, my on my end, my experience was I get this random email one day <laughs> from a very pleasant woman who says, I want to feature you in Forbes. And of course, my first thought, I shouldn't say of course, but my first <laughs> thought was, really? Like, how real is this? <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I thought you were going to be like, oh, exciting. But you're like, is this a scam? <laughs> is this a scam? But then I, I researched Dara and was like, holy smokes, look at this woman. So when the opportunity um, came to have you on this podcast, I was like, I think we need to hear more about what you're up to and your outlook on life and how you do what you do. And it is, I am a big believer in networking and connections. I am constantly talking about that on this podcast and that, you know, it it can start with one person and ripple from there. And before you know it, you're making connections you never thought you would make before. So Dara, how did you get into this world? Because, you know, I'm looking at you, you're a young woman, you don't have to give your age, but you've accomplished quite a bit in a short amount of time. How did you do that? Well, I'm happy to give my age in case it's good for context. I'm 35 and I've been at this entrepreneurial journey for 10 plus years and worked a few years before that in the corporate world. And interestingly or not, I started my career in the fashion industry thinking, let me take the thing that I'm really passionate about, which as a 22, 23 year old, I didn't know any better and it was fashion and ended up hating it. I felt completely like I wasn't using my brain and people were really catty and cold and it just wasn't the place for me. And I I think people could probably relate to this, that often when you're in a place where you know it's not where you need to be, but it's comfortable and you're good at it, it's really easy to stay. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself, exactly, I found myself making excuses. This was my first job and thinking, well, people would kill for this job and I get freedom and I get to work from home and I get free clothes and like whatever else seemed cool and sexy. But I was miserable And so fast forward to the middle of 2007, as the global economy is at its peak, I ended up having to get a restraining order against my landlord at the time. And out of that fear and panic, decided to go buy a house in September of 07, which was now we know in retrospect, a horrible time to buy a house because it was the absolute peak of our market. And then three months later, my company that I was working for went under and I lost my job. So here I am, 23, a home, a mortgage, no job, real adult realities hitting me in the face. And I'm thinking, oh gosh, I have no idea what I want to do. And you know, fast forward Cliff's Notes version, I spent the next two years taking on a variety of jobs from being a personal assistant to someone and ripping drywall and carpeting out of her investment properties and writing copy for her website to working for a high-end home audio and video company selling six and seven figure home theater systems and literally everything in between, constantly to be getting laid off and having hours cut back because of the state of the economy. And it was interesting because it was at a time when I was really, really influenced by outside perspective and people telling me, you're just an entitled millennial. You're unwilling to wait your turn and be patient. Just keep climbing the ladder and putting your head down. And I was really believing that until it got to this point where I realized I'm doing the work and not only am I doing it, but for example, in the first job in the sales job with the fashion company, I hit a three-year million dollar sales goal in 10 months. So I knew it wasn't that I wasn't doing the job. I knew I was overperforming, but these companies 
weren't doing well as a whole and they couldn't keep people on. So I started to question everything that I had been told and started to question these paradigms and thought maybe in fact it's no less stable to work for myself than it is to work for other people. And maybe I am just truly wired to go out and you know carve my own path and take my own fate into my own hands as opposed to simply listening to what everyone around me was saying was true, which might have been true for them, but certainly wasn't true for me. And that set me 10 years ago on this path to start my own companies, which you very kindly shared about in great detail. And so through that process, I came to learn that things that I had taken for granted in myself, like being a connector and a natural networker, were things that other people really valued and really became the underpinnings for my success. But because they came so naturally to me, I really underestimated them. And it wasn't until I did an exercise when I was 23, which I highly recommend the listeners consider doing, where I asked about 20 people in my extended network the same seven questions. And the questions were done in writing and they were things along the lines of, when am I most powerful in your opinion? And when am I most, my least powerful? What do you come to me for when the chips are down? Or if you could wish something for me in the next 12 months, what would it be? Or even what's something you know about me that you don't think I know about myself and a few others? And I basically told them this is a non-reciprocal exercise because I want you to feel completely free to answer this as candidly as you need to without fear of my response and know that my only response will be thank you. And then took all of the answers and collectively went through them and sussed out where are the patterns and what are things that surprise me or I really want to put some weight into? Because like anything, there are some opinion, some fact, and you need to put it through the sieve for yourself to decide what you want to make of it. But for me, this became this real aha moment of you are a connector and this is a real gift that you have that other people come to you seeking help with and advice for and that you really become the puzzle putter together, which is obviously not a word to help other people advance their aims. And this is something you should double down on. And I really recommend this for other people because we all have stuff in our life that we take for granted and have sort of in this rear view mirror that we don't put enough credit to. And this for me was a real big awakening and helped me to really double down and continue on that path. Mm -hmm. When I'm working with my clients, I call it your superpowers. And your superpowers are those things you take it for granted, you overlook, and you mentally diminish because you're so good at it and it comes so naturally to you. You think everybody else can do it too, but that's not true. You diminish it because you don't have to put effort into it. And because it naturally comes to you, you can double down on it without exhausting yourself. It will actually probably enliven you. And I have a a series of questions I, I have my clients ask themselves and ask other people along those lines of like, what are you good at that it surprises you when you hear someone else doesn't do it well, you know, and what do you take for granted, that sort of thing. And ultimately, you're left with a a list of things that you can do and you can leverage for your success. And I I tell people, I'm like, if at the end you have a list of things that you consider vanilla, you did it right. (laughs) (laughs) Such a good point because it doesn't feel sexy when you're looking at it from your own perspective. But other people, I would say other people can see the spot on which you stand or see your own shadow that's hard for you to see. And it's exactly that. It's going to seem sexy to them, but not to you. Yes. And I'll use my example as well, because although I am a connector as well, and there was a time in my career where I said, 
man, I wish I could get paid for this because I love it and I do it so well. But for me growing up, it was always like, you're a good listener. You're such a good listener. And I am, I'm a good listener. And I, tr- I actively try to get better at it all the time. But, you know, somebody had been like, you know, what's that skill that's going to make the difference for you in your career? I never would have said listener because I'm like, we all can listen. You know, we're totally. all, yeah, you're right. We all can, but we're all not exceptional at it. Mm-hmm. But in my career, being a coach and an interviewer for this podcast, listening skills have been incredible, you know, and like a natural curiosity. I, I remember somebody saying to me, I love listening to your podcast because your natural curiosity comes out. And I was like, what? <laughs> really? Totally. But that, those are those things. And for those of you listening, it's really important for you to do the inquiry and the investigation of your own skills, because I will guarantee you, you are probably not utilizing them enough in your career, in your business, and you could be accomplishing a lot more in less time with less effort and energy output if you utilize those skills. Dara, that was awesome. Thank you. Well, I want to, if it's okay, elaborate on what you're talking about Mm -hmm. with uh, listening, because people really underestimate as we're talking about connection and networking, the power of listening and both likability and in just finding rapport with someone. And that I think that's just one of the number one underestimated things that the more you can be a great active listener, the more it causes you to find those curiosity moments where you can ask really great questions that allow your conversation partner to express real parts of themselves that then naturally ingratiate them to you, which makes them like you, which makes you build rapport faster, which then builds trust very quickly, which is how doors get opened so you can find and access the success that you're seeking. And I want to put an asterisk under that, that it has nothing to do with manipulation. You don't listen and ask questions and try to be like to manipulate to get what you want. You do it out of sincerity. And like you said, true curiosity. Hilariously, my title is chief curiosity officer because I can't help but be a curious person in the world. And it's such a high value for me to learn and grow. And that's, I think, a great way to do it. But it's such a critical tool to be a good listener. And when introverts come to me and or shy folks and they say, I hate networking, I hate relationship building. How do I better do it? I say, you just need to really leverage those skills that you have like listening because introverts and shy people, which are two different things, but might be one in the same, are exceptional listeners because they're not as interested in spotlight being on them in a lot of cases. So as an ambivert myself, I totally relate to that, that I know a lot about myself. I don't know a lot about my listen, my conversation partner. So let me listen and ask questions. Yes. And I find that networking typically becomes that situation where people who are typically great at listening and being curious, they flip it. You know, and the experience becomes all about what I'm about to go through, what this is doing to me and how I'm experiencing networking. And what I say to, you know, those who they're either my clients or they're at a presentation, because I do a whole presentation on how to network in a way that feels good for you is don't make it about you. Like this experience isn't about you. It's about the people that you're about to meet. And the moment we stop making something about ourselves and we put the focus on somebody else, it becomes natural and easy and more light, you know? And so that's a great perspective to go into networking with. Make it about the other person and what you don't know about them. Absolutely. Well, I'm very curious because, okay, so as all of this is happening and trust is being built and doors are being open, you know, people are likely to come up against another intimidation factor, which is 
coming face to face with somebody you really look up to. And you've had the opportunity to work with some pretty incredible people. And obviously Deepak Chopra is a a huge name, but there have probably been other people along the way who you've also been, you know, have been heroes for you or you've looked up to them. How do you manage that to like, because we all can become like, fangirl or fanboy in the face of these amazing people who've done so much. And, but that takes away from the real human connection that you can have with somebody. How do you manage those experiences? Well, you hit it on the head by humanizing it. That when I first started working with high profile people, which only was about a year ago, I had this same distance in my mind of they're on this pedestal, they're up there, I'm down here, I'm just this like cog in this quick transaction for them and it's meaningless. But when I started to humanize it and learn about them and be curious and do my research and be thoughtful in the interaction, especially be value additive, which is huge and not make them do the legwork, do it for them, Mm -hmm. that was the game changer. And so, you know, if I may, I'm going to share the story of how Deepak and I met and started to work together because I think it sheds light for anyone who has anyone in your life with whom you'd like to work or collaborate, regardless of if they're, you know, the Oprahs of the world or if they're just the pillar in your industry, it doesn't matter. But so for me with Deepak, you talked about these heroes. He was an intellectual hero of mine for as long as I can remember. I ingested so much of his work and he's what I call a mentor from afar. You know, as a caveat, I think there's a lot of ways to have mentorship, and mentorship is critical. And that one that is really underdeveloped and underappreciated is this idea of mentorship from afar, where you can ingest and digest content from these thought leaders that is so readily available and that they don't have to know who you are for you to appreciate and take that in. And so with Deepak, he was always this person. And about this time last year, I had made the decision to launch what you shared about the Life by Design, Not by Default Virtual Summit where I was going to take the 10 years of work I had done as an entrepreneur and someone who's deeply invested in personal development for myself and has had a lot of access to incredible humans to bring them all together into this 45-speaker summit to share how to design your life, build a business or career to fund the life you actually want and a network to support and open those doors for you. And Deepak was one of the people whom I didn't know, but I felt like he would be the perfect person to keynote this. And so if I have learned anything in life, it's that the power of your relationships are critical for you to help achieve what you're looking to faster and with a lot more fun along the way. And so I reached out to someone in my network whom I had a hunch would know his publicist. And I asked him, might you be able to connect me? And he did very quickly. And his publicists were interested, but didn't give me a yes. So I pulled out the big guns and reached out to my friend, Rebecca, whom, and this is a really important thing to understand when you're establishing relationships. We had met about six years prior at an event in in Detroit and we became quick friends, but I had absolutely no idea what she did or had done for a living historically. And I think this is important because for me, I go out in the world looking to know who people are before what they do. I think this is really important because it helps people know that you actually have chemistry and can get to know each other as opposed to you looking for a transaction, it's really a much better long-term perspective. And I understand that there's a lot of resistance to that because people feel like, well, I have short-term goals and I have deadlines and I have to make money and I have you know, sales requirements and whatever else. But you can always 
make make this work in a general sense while getting short-term stuff done, but still having a long-term focus. Mm -hmm. And so Rebecca and I became friends. Over time, I learned that she had historically been Deepak's COO. And I initially didn't reach out to her because I knew that that was a really precious relationship and I wanted to see if I could get there without asking her for it. And so I reached out and I basically said, listen, here's where I am. If you'd be so kind or so comfortable as to make this help, you know, help me get it over the fence, I would really appreciate it. But absolutely no pressure. I understand if that's too much to ask. She shortly there later sent me a screenshot of the conversation of her text messages with Deepak. And about three hours later, I had an email from his publicist saying, Deepak saying, can you be in New York next week? I live in Atlanta and do the interview. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I'm going to get to do this interview with this hero of mine. I also am a little scared because I had never interviewed someone live before. And so I'm diving straight into the deep end, doing my first in-person interview with this intellectual hero. And so I get there and I'm just trying to calm myself thinking, you know what? Just be here. If this is a total flop, no one will ever know except the videographers and Deepak. And also, if anyone's going to be kind to you in this world, it's going to be Deepak Chopra. So, <laughs> True. so just go do it. And so we did it. I literally felt like I was in a dream, like it feels hazy. <laughs> but I came out and was so grateful and thought once in a lifetime, just savor that. Until three months later, serendipity brought us back together when Chase Bank reached out to me and said, we want you to be our on-site correspondent for our Atlanta conference where you're going to interview Cam Newton and Deepak Chopra. And I laughed and I thought, three months ago, I'd never interviewed anyone. Now all of a sudden, I'm a quote-unquote on-site correspondent and I'm interviewing Deepak for the second time. And I got to do that. We had a great interaction. And then fast forward, over the next six months, I interviewed him three more times because his publicist took a liking to me. And this is what's really important is I never tried to make something happen that didn't feel organic. I continued to build the relationship and both follow up and follow through with his team and with him. I did everything that I promised to them and I brought continued value because I was writing about him for Forbes and Thrive Global and I put him on this platform with my audience. And all of these things were of value for him as well. And so for anyone who maybe says, I don't have a platform like that, You do. It doesn't have to be a big brand name. You have things of value to offer, or even maybe you have a service to offer that you could volunteer to do for this person whom you admire and give that to them. But there are always ways that you can do your homework to find where you can add the value and come to people very sincerely and offer it and let them know why you're admiring of them because people also love sincere compliments. (laughs) Let's not forget that. Let's take a break here to talk about a tool that can definitely help with networking and building relationships, Text Expander. If you find yourself writing very similar messages to new contacts or for setting up coffee dates or calls, you can use Text Expander to save yourself some time. By creating a templated message, a text snippet, you can insert your message into email, text, and anywhere on the web. You can also give it a once-over to personalize if necessary, but the bulk of your work is done ahead of time and done once. You can unlock your productivity with Text Expander. Easily insert text snippets in any application from a library of content created by you and your team. Text Expander works everywhere you type, improving your productivity and accuracy no matter what apps you use. Text Expander for Teams saves you from employees sharing outdated information and it saves their time too. 
Text Expander is available for macOS, Windows, iPhone, iPad, and Chrome. So go to textexpander.com forward slash podcast and select Women Taking the Lead from the drop down list for 20% off your first year. Again, for 20% off your first year of Text Expander, visit textexpander.com forward slash podcast and select Women Taking the Lead from the drop down list. Now, back to Dara Brustein. But so fast forward to December 26, 2018. This is important too. I had an intuitive hit that said, reach back out to everyone with whom you've collaborated this year who are high profile, because there were many at that point, and thank them again and tell them that you're here in their court as a cheerleader and helper if they need anything in the upcoming year. And this is important because I think we often have these moments where we think about people and we don't take that opportunity to reach out and nurture the relationship. Or we also think, well, I don't have anything in that moment to offer or I don't know what to say. Sometimes just saying something as simple as I'm thinking about you or I'm here if you need anything goes a really long way. And so in this case, 15 minutes after I sent this email, Deepak wrote me back and he said, you know, I've been reflecting as well. I think that you can help me. People say that my work is often esoteric and hard to understand, and I think you can help me make it more relatable and translatable. And I was like, are you kidding me? I have no idea what you mean, but yes. (laughs) So so we ended up developing in the next 15 to 20 minutes of back and forth emails, this video series, Diving Deep with Deepak and Dara, and have been running it every week since, since two weeks after that email chain occurred. And it all happened so effortlessly and organically that I think that's the other big lesson and clue and cue here is... When the path unfolds before you, you obviously put in the work and the persistence and the diligence to get things done and move down it. But there is a huge difference I've learned in my life that when doors are naturally unfolding and I'm going with the current rather than swimming upstream or white knuckling something, that I know that's when I'm in the right place versus the times where I am making things happen and forcing it and knocking down doors because I'm so committed to an outcome that I have told myself is going to happen. And so, yeah, stay with the current, let it take you where you need to go and then show up and do the work that is required to be there. Oh my God, Dara, there is so much gold in what you just (laughs) said. I don't even know where to begin. I'm probably going to go back and listen to the last 10 to 15 minutes over and over and over again. But I'll, I'll say as the highlights, what jumped out at me and you reiterated a few times is bring value to the table and, and go like for the, for those of you listening, go back to what we were talking about, the superpowers. What are your superpowers? That's how you bring value to the table just as a start. And I'm sure there are other skills and talents, services and products you can also bring forth as well. Balance between um, moving forward with intention and allowing things to flow. Like you, yes, you have short-term goals you need to achieve and you can move forward on those, but you're also playing the long game. Don't forget that and don't lose opportunities to nurture relationships, you know, for the long game. And I'm going to put an asterisk by that too. It's not about manipulation or trying to get people to do what you want. It's actually building deep and sustainable relationships that will bring value to you and you will bring value to over the course of time. Um, And also that no matter who somebody is, you can bring value to them. They're looking for your services as well. Just because somebody's a really big name doesn't mean they don't have needs and they don't have pain points and struggles. And I'm going to quickly share my own experience of Deepak because 
I have my own heroes. Like I, you know, first um, it was Joseph Campbell and then I found Wayne Dyer. You know, PBS was amazing for introducing some of these spiritual gurus. And, the, and it was Marianne Williamson and most recently Byron Katie and Eckhart Tolle. And of course, I've, I've heard of Deepak. I've listened to him. I've watched the videos. I've even started doing um, his and Oprah's meditations. But there was always something about Deepak that was like, I don't know, it's a disconnect for me. And I would like share it with people almost shamefully. Like, can I share something with you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. Like, I don't have that connection with him that I have with others, except. And I think, Dara, I'm going to give you the credit for this because you just clicked something for me. I've been listening to his podcast recently. He just started a podcast and enjoying it tremendously and being surprised at my enjoyment (laughs) of the podcast because he is more down to earth. He is, you know, less esoterically and more ground level of how do we apply these concepts to our lives. So thank you for bringing value to Deepak because now he's bringing more value to me. Well, thank you. I mean, I will not take credit for Deepak being who he is, but I think like all of us, we have these trajectories and progressions in our own life and how we know how to break things down and disseminate them and share them with the world. Because I think that's a responsibility of all of ours in whatever way, whether it's with one person or with millions or in his case, billions, to take the things that we've learned and experienced to help other people learn them faster. And in his case, you know, he's in his human biological years, I believe in his early 70s now, although he would go on and on about how that's all just a story. But you know, he's had so many years of experience now understanding how to talk to different audiences and what resonates and what works. And you know, same for me that I've had so many incarnations of my career already at age 35. And now that I'm diving into this space of my career and teaching and sharing these lessons, you learn very quickly what's both authentic to you as well as can connect and resonate. And I think it's interesting because I also, if this helps anyone free something in themselves know that it can be scary to start putting yourself out there in any capacity to share what you have within you. If you feel like it's not honed in yet, or you don't have that answer fully of how it's going to connect, but that's what it takes. It takes throwing stuff out there, trying it on. It's like a comedian doing stand-up. You've got to get the practice in. You've got to see if an audience laughs, and then you hone your material. And I think he's done that expertly for decades and decades, and I'm doing it at an earlier stage, trying to do the same for myself. Yeah. And the lesson for me in my life is I can do that work proactively, like in my free time, you know, or just as a part of the course of my day, I can bake it into my day or I can wait till the universe is sending me so many messages. And for some people, and I know for me in my life, sometimes that's not a comfortable experience. Like it's often, you know, things become more and more uncomfortable for us before we're ready to move. Like you said, you and I both have similar examples, how our careers were starting to dry up and we knew it wasn't the place for us, but it was comfortable and it was safe. And it was what we knew until it became so uncomfortable. Like there was no other choice, you know, and for both of us, we got pushed out, but like by the grace of God, we got pushed out because we couldn't do it on our own. I remember saying out loud, like to myself one day, please God, have them fire me because I can't bring (laughs) myself to quit. And then it's like forcing your partner to break up with you because you can't do it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so I know there are definitely... Um, some listeners now, maybe it's you, um, who's sitting there going, yeah, my life is really uncomfortable, but I don't know how to take the first steps. I think, Dari, you've outlined like 
a series of exercises that somebody can do just to get the ball rolling. Um, so because of that, I'm not going to ask you like, oh, what's the first thing somebody can do. Okay, everyone, you've got that. You've got some first things that you can do, but perhaps maybe you can offer us um, like another perspective or an outlook that you have that allows you to do this work proactively rather than wait for the universe to hit you over the head with it. Yeah, it's really interesting and it's it happens in a lot of different ways. One, I just think that action is really important. Obviously juxtaposed everything in life is a polarity. So anything I say, there is a dichotomous ancillary side to it, but it's action really is the thing that diminishes fear or the lack of inertia just by definition alone. And so what I mean by that is the thing that often would hold me back into this day I still struggle with is the fear and those inner critics telling me you're not good enough or someone's already doing that or who says that you should be doing this or who you don't have enough money or you're not pretty enough or you name it. Like they all come up. And it's the action that really helps me quiet those voices because once you start moving, the voices have a harder time being there because your brain is so full of the thing that's happening. And it's those tiny little steps through action that begin to build up the momentum and the inertia that you can then look back in the review mirror and be like, oh, wow, I've actually made progress. The other thing too is when I hit those walls of fear and sometimes when they stifle me, I look for historic data to prove or disprove them right or wrong. And this is important for anyone who's maybe a little less intuitive and maybe a little more analytical, that I look for history in the past to say, where is something where that happened that this voice is telling me that I can believe it? And I almost never find that evidence. It's typically, okay, now I can address that this is a liar, so let me keep moving. And also, too, the more that you begin to this is that dichotomy, still and quiet yourself and pause enough to have those moments of reflection or meditation or whatever those practices are for you, where you get back into yourself and you let the action happen after that or in the in-between times is when you can get a lot more clarity on, okay, if I've seen this pattern of these things coming up over and over again, then I know that this is something that I faced before and it becomes that much easier to address in the future. It's when you become numb to it and you're either just going and going because you pride yourself on the busyness and the activity or you get stuck in the analysis of it in the first place, the analysis paralysis, as people say. Either of those places are unhealthy and I have absolutely waited around in both of those far too many times to admit. But it's when you find that really beautiful balance of the two of I am action-oriented because it's coming from a rooting of knowing what my real truth is and having to come back on the other side to center and ground in that in the first place. That's where intentional action comes from. And so I always joke that my drinking word in life is intentional because I talk about it with everything that you have to intentionally make choices. You have to intentionally take action. You have to intentionally do everything Otherwise, you're on autopilot and you're living based on where the world is taking you, where other people are telling you to go, where the, you know, where just the stream and the busyness and everything that's coming at you is throwing at you. And until you get intentional and can slow down enough to make those choices intentionally and proactively, you're probably spinning your wheels. 
Absolutely. And our brain is, con- we talked about this before we hit record, our brain is constantly looking for efficiencies and autopilot is efficient for the brain. And so with, with intention, you have to snap yourself out of that and go about your day more mindfully. Well, Dara, I know that there are a lot of people who are already like, who is this woman? Where can I find out more about her? Can you share with us where the best place is for people to find you? Yes, thank you. There's two. One is my website, which is chock full of free resources. It's dara.co, D-A-R-R-A-H.co. On there, you can get the series with Deepak and I. There's a free masterclass on living a more meaningful life with Deepak and myself, which also has a guided meditation. There's something called the shit no one tells you about starting a business and the six steps for more effective goal planning among many interviews with people like Shaquille O'Neal and Seth Godin and Jillian Michaels that are going behind the curtain of their success to help you learn the tools that they have. So go on there, consume all the free goodness. And then I also show up every day on Instagram trying to share both inspirational but also actionable tips and tools for people. And there I'm at Dara B, D-A-R-R-A-H-B. Making a note of that. Awesome. Well, Dara, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. That's so sweet. Thank you. Thank you all for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. And to strengthen you on your own leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. So here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.